Волочка готы хрустальная, революция идет социальная, революция идет социальная. Our bruised arms hung up for monuments, our stern alarms changed to merry meetings. Our dreadful marches to delightful measures, grim visage war hath smoothed his wrinkled front. And now, instead of mounting barbed steeds to fright the souls of fearful adversaries, he capers nimbly in a lady's chamber to the vicious pleasing of a lute. But I, that am not shaped for sportive tricks, nor made to court an amorous looking glass, I that am rudely stamped and want love's majesty to strut before a wanton ambling nymph. I, that am curtailed of this fair proportion, cheated of feature by dissembling nature, deformed, unfinished, sent before my time into this breathing world, scarce half made up, and that so lamely and unfashionable that dogs bark at me as I halt by them, why I, in this weak piping time of peace, have no delight to pass away the time unless to spy my shadow in the sun and descant on mine own deformity, and therefore, since I cannot prove a lover, to entertain these well-fair-spoken days, I am determined to prove a villain and hate the idle pleasures of these days. Plots have I laid, inductions dangerous by drunken prophecies, libels, and dreams to set my brother Clarence and the king in deadly hate, the one against the other. And if King Edward be as true and just as I am subtle, false, and treacherous, this day should Clarence closely be mewed up. But a prophecy which says that G of Edward's heirs the murderer shall be. So, Declan kind of saved this episode. Um, because I had got this whole thing all together about, um, internal politics of Scottish nationalism. Which... And then about, like, six hours ago, Declan's like, oh, yeah, I, he had all these ideas for what we are going to do in the episode, and then we agreed to split it. I mean, this is, this is actually, uh, dialectics, um, so if I ever uh you know lost my mind and decided to go to therapy i would learn more but i you know instead i read marx and i learn about similar kinds of dialectics so you know a thing and then a different thing and they fight and you get a thing that's both of the things that's probably better than hegel described it yeah and so i figured you know yes we will talk about the the scottish nationalist party and how they want uh their independence and i'm sure malcolm has a lot hotter of a take on that than I do, which, uh, and then... Well, my take is that what should happen to Scotland should be however they vote. Yeah. And that they voted in 2014 in a once-in-a-generation lifetime, and they voted no by 10%. And we also have... Once-in-generation vote. Um, returning guest, uh, I think we can safely call you a member of the Juno uh, Cinematic Universe at this point. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tasha, how are you today? Sorry Ooh, to put you on the spot. I'm good. I was going to say, as someone who does go to therapy, that's actually uh, part of DBT, is holding two opposing truths at the same time. So oh, that's just Orwell. Is, yeah, is, I, I was going to say, is that is that the 1984, is that that 1984 book that everyone talks about? 
Is that the, no, the one? No, the one where the, the one where the guy when gets. Mr. Potato Head. That's when Mr. Potato Head uh, doesn't get to be called Mr. Potato. That's when. That's when Doctor yeah, Seuss gets yeah, canceled. It's just Potato Head now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Are you gonna cancel me for being uh, racist or something? Absolutely. I'll I'm be first in line. Racist. I'm racist against non-binary potatoes. I mean, that's yeah. Me. I think it's like. It make it. it absolutely makes sense for them to you know degender a literal potato. It's, yeah, like it's... just give the two different eye options in the same potato, like two for the yeah. price of one. That's so easy. Well, I think the sad thing is that there's nothing that gives you more joy than calling a silly object by a colloquial name. Yeah, true. Or if you're like, hello, like Mademoiselle Potato. Like, I don't know why, but that's, it's silly and it's fun. Yeah, and, and I think, like, wait, you know, holy shit, are we canceling, like... are we canceling Toy Story? Yes, sadly. But I think, Damn. like, this just indicates that, you know, normal is possible again. And if we're having culture war over, yeah, like, Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato Head, like, that means the Obama years that we missed out on, you know, by being a bit too young to understand all of what was going on, we're getting them again. We're getting the reruns, right? So we better we better look for the people who are politically active and say, look, like, what are we dealing with here? Well, we don't we get need one... A toy story. No, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, no, you're we need a Toy Story 5 where Mr. Potato Head comes out as non-binary... Um, and then and Buzz Lightyear comes out as bisexual. Good idea. No, I was just gonna say that we are going to be missing one fast of the Obama years. Nira Tan and baby. Let's go! <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> she posted her way out of a slam dunk nomination. God, she's an inspiration to us all. I Truly an idea. example of what happens when you put posting before all else, and I, li okay, and I do mean all right. else. Just to clarify to the listeners, we are not against Nira Tannen because she was mean on Twitter because we think that's actually pretty No, I think, I think being Nira mean on... Because we don't like her. Being mean on Twitter is actually it's... usually a redeeming. Yeah, One no, of... she shouldn't have been disqualified because she was mean on Twitter. You're right. Like, she should qualify because I don't like her. It is, like, an act of, you know, it is a sort of anti-poster discrimination that I think uh, we're really concerned about um, nowadays. And I think that... Do not do, not do the Pod Save America bit. <laughs> Do not do the pod save America. No, but, uh... <laughs> Nira, but the thing with Nira is that, like, she was engaging on Twitter in one of three, like, acceptable ways, which is either, yeah, like, being, like, a poster that is just, like, yeah, you're you're horrible and, like... You're dumb and gay. Just, like, being the most toxic person you can. And, you know, failing that, obviously, you become a reply guy or you just do, like, incredibly long threads about specific topics. Like... Some of which might be interesting, some of which aren't. And, like, I think Although out of... Doing the Juno count. She's absolutely, like, enjoying her time on Twitter the most. Or at least she was. I'm sure she probably regrets it now. Oh, but, yeah, I feel that. very little sympathy for someone posting their way out of a nomination when they're... What it, there are things they're most well-known for was being like, Hey, Libya has this massive debt. Why don't we just go in and take their oil to repay it <laughs> as, as, payback, as payback for ousting Gaddafi? And I'm not defending Gaddafi here. Well, I mean, listen, listen, listen. Gaddafi is a man that had one good idea, and that is abolishing Switzerland. Yep. <laughs> he, well, well, listen, listen. On, on the basis that it is pretty much just like a fascist bank. It is just the bank. Very true. It's a fascist bank. If we're abolishing bank. Switzerland, can we abolish Liechtenstein as well? No, Liechtenstein gets part of Switzerland. 
Yeah, that was part. He had a whole theory as to how it would be as to how it would be done. Not he made the mistake. No, we need to create a greater Liechtenstein. All right. Um, I think Liechtenstein. I think has enough revolutionary potential that that's where we can set up the fail Sun Republic. Oh, you're right. I think you're right about that. And then we all have to speak some like fucked up version of German. Yeah. Um, Tasha, you you can teach it. That you know, I I think Nirtan was really on to something when she said that you know transitioning from a you know Gaddafi to open air slave markets. I mean, look, he was uh uh uh. Uh, well, he was giving uh, Vi- Viagra to his soldiers. I mean, there. I don't know. I feel like there's something a bit more insidious at play when he's giving Viagra to his soldiers that I'd really no, rather. I, know. Like, the, the I would not. Like, that was that was the yeah. allegation of like mass rape that just wasn't true. Um, yeah. Which was one of the main catalysts for them like bombing the shit out of Libya for like the thirtieth time. That's that. No, I'm glad Gaddafi's gone, but not that way. Like, Gaddafi was, like, an actual fascist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyways. So, yeah, we've got some things for you today. We're going to talk about um, Scotland. We're going to talk about Toronto. And then we're going to talk about New York. I mean, I think Three the... great cities. I mean, <laughs> I think the, um, you know, as someone with a lot of Scottish blood, um, I think the infighting inherent in Scottish politics, is, it really makes me proud, you know? Damn Scots, they're ruining Scotland. Well, yeah, I mean, as Groundskeeper Willie said on The Simpsons, that, you know, it's just a country of people who are angry at everything all the time. Yeah. And that's, well, I think, that, I think they eat, you know, the haggis is sort of like to atone for their, uh, their sins, because I've had it before and it is not, it's not it's worth fine. it. I don't mind it. No, I don't like it. And so we're going to put a general trigger warning on this episode, both for the part about Scotland and the part about New York for uh, sexual assault. Um, we're discussing people being... It didn't happen in the case of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. It did. Um, so, uh, well, allegedly, I guess. Um, so, yeah, just general trigger warning on that. Um, but I think we... So, yeah, we're going to start with Scotland because it's the biggest section, and then we're going to get into some stuff about uh, Toronto's kind of embarrassing mayor um, and Andrew Cuomo. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about Scotland. So most of our viewers, well, about like 20% of you are from the UK last time I checked, but um, if you're not, uh, the UK is divided into four, no, three, sorry, kingdoms uh, and one sort of <laughs> principality. So you've got England, uh, Scotland, and Northern Ireland, or Ulster, or kingdoms, and then Wales, which is sort of a principality um, of England. So Scotland is its own, which means that it is somewhat devolved. It has its own parliament, um, and it has been for the last 15 or so years um, dominated by this party called the Scottish National Party, which is sort of like a liberal center-left party, uh, but it's the type of liberal center-left party that's absolutely idolized by communists for no reason other than, uh... I'm a proud Anglophobe. Yeah. Um, so, it's led by this woman named Nicola Sturgeon, who is your typical short-haired woman politician. Like Hillary Clinton (laughs) and Angela Merkel, she is tough, uh, she's a girl boss, and she has really shitty politics, but everyone overlooks that because she's, like, tough and a girl boss. Um, And so, uh, 
fun fact about her, her husband also has a very high up position in the party, some secretary guy, and he's bald. Um, so hair problems in that. But it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. So yeah, the SNP was around for a while, and, and in 2014, they managed to force an independence referendum. Uh, both sides agreed that it was going to be a once-in-a-generation referendum, uh, and then it failed by 10 points, obviously because Scotland is not an independent country. Um, and so one would expect that the SNP would kind of, you know, much like the Bloc Québécois did twice after their independence referendums, you'd think that it would kind of collapse afterward. Um, but some funky stuff uh, happened in British politics immediately after 2014. Well, <laughs> yeah, Brexit, you know. Yeah, Brexit. So Brexit uh, happened. And so after that, the UK uh, has a referendum after a spectacular uh, fuck up of a essentially staring contest between uh, the Prime Minister and Brexit elements within the Conservative Party, um, and uh, basically like the the. A bunch of bluffs are called, and then Britain just kind of wobbles its way into a Brexit independence referendum, which succeeds very closely. It's only by about four points, um, 52 to 48. Um, except the geography of it is very clear in that England, which is by far the most populated uh, uh, part of the UK, it's got 11 times the population of Scotland, voted overwhelmingly, well, not overwhelmingly, voted to leave. Um, uh, the, the the European Union, um, whereas Scotland voted to stay. Um, Scotland does a lot of trade with the European Union, and especially its economy is, much like Norway or Venezuela, an oil economy. It's propped up by oil. Um, so they do a lot of export to the EU. Um, so this gives the SNP a second wind. You know, normally you'd expect after a catastrophic defeat like that, uh, they'd sort of collapse for a little bit, but they didn't. They sort of built up, um, and they stayed in power. So what this means is that the SNP have been governing Scotland uh, for over a decade now. Um, they've they're proven to be very effective, like political organizers and campaign people, but pretty bad at actually governing. I mean, one needs only to look at any time that the liberal government has that the liberals have held government in any part of Canada for longer than ten years to sort of tell you where this story is headed. Yeah, because well, yeah, as Ontarians, we know very well that if you govern for over a decade, not even Ontario, like even even at the federal level. But well, I would argue that at this point, the liberals have been in power for like seven years or eight years. Yeah. Like, Justin Trudeau is really just folding. He's he just like, he's he's bringing on like scandal after scandal. We're behind on vaccines. Like, if the NDP lose this election, I I honestly don't know what to say. Well, because I I, the, no, I he's, he's on track to get a majority. You think so? Oh yeah. If you look at the polling, Trudeau's coming back in a big way. Because the thing is, is that um, the NDP are growing. But that is at the expense, uh, it is at the expense of the Liberals, and it's at the expense of the Bloc Québécois. But what's happening is the Conservatives are shrinking rapidly, and that is, and, and of course that leads to Liberal growth, right? Because there, right. unless you're doing, like, very, like Cape Breton uh, in, in, in Nova Scotia, there is not much in the way, or Alberta, there's not much in the way of an NDP uh, Conservative swing vote. So, um... 
yeah so like they're they're so so um as the conservatives shrink the liberals grow and then the ndp just like takes a little bit off i think you're actually you're discounting the lived experience when you're talking about there not being a conservative to ndp vote i think you're discounting the uh the maoist accelerationist caucus that exists within the ndp where if the (laughs) ndp uh doesn't you know hold up to their standards they'll just go and vote conservative and just try and like bring about the inevitable economic collapse that will let us uh form some sort of protracted people's war in uh in canada you know the fact that i understood every single word you just said (laughs) really makes me want to put my head through a wall (laughs) oh my god but yeah like I, i think i don't know i think the liberals are very good at two things and that's winning elections they shouldn't and losing elections that they should so yeah. we're gonna have to see how it turns out whenever the next election gets called yeah i'm i'm predicting uh jt is gonna come back for a majority well i think the funniest thing about canadian politics to me is that the election is just whenever the li- like the election this year is just whenever the liberals want it to be basically yeah yeah, I mean, there are things... If they want it to be in the fall, they'll make it in the fall. If they want it to be in the spring, they'll make it in the spring. Yeah. It also I mean, means there, that our... five-year limits, and also if your budget fails. Uh, we but. we have, you know, we don't have, like, set election days, which means our, our campaign season is mercifully short. It's probably, like, you get, like, two months in an election it's, year. It's, it's two months. As opposed to the U.S., where it is literally, like, 24-7 campaign ads. Yeah, because you go straight from like a general yeah, to midterms. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, Doing, um, well, who's that big YouTuber? Oh yeah, yeah. Philip DeFranco. <laughs> yeah, Philip throwing his hat in the ring. I think for LA. LA mayor that that rules. And also, uh, you know, the big wet boy, the big wet boy himself. Would be better than the current mayor of LA though, because from what I hear, he is pretty much just as bad as uh, Tory in the sense that he's like. Open up the restaurants. Open yeah. the restaurants. Oh, uh, we gotta, guys, we gotta support businesses, and you know, every, it's everyone else's responsibility to get out and um, stimulate okay. the economy. Did you know that Stephanie Guilfoyle or whoever, um, you mean Kimberly? Oh, Kimberly. at the Republican convention. Yeah. Used to date California Governor Gavin Newsom. That rules. She's so cool. She's just. She is so cool. She is just <laughs> shopping around. I think like. I hope she dumped him. That was a very. Yeah. I think, like, in the moment, watching that RNC speech of her, like, screaming about how we need to, like, defend America and shit like that. Yeah. Like, that was scary, but, like, knowing that she used to date Gavin Newsom makes it so much funnier because there is no outcome in which Gavin Newsom, like, doesn't look like an... Both... There's no outcome in which both Gavin Newsom and Don Jr. don't look like complete losers. Yeah. America. Yeah, she's just. The time is now. <laughs> she's just a girl boss. Yep. She's really just doing her own thing. Yep. Okay, so in 2001, Gilfoyle married Gavin Newsom, then a San Francisco city supervisor. He was elected mayor of San Francisco in 2003. While married to Newsom, she went by the name Kimberly Gilfoyle Newsom. Oh, okay. In 2005, citing the strain of bicoastal marriage. Gilfoyle and Newsom jointly filed for divorce. Oh. Um, and 2006, in Barbados, she married furniture heir Eric Valency. They had a kid. And then in 2009, they divorced. And then in 2018, Vanessa Trump, who had filed for divorce three months earlier, confirmed that Gilfoyle was already dating her husband, Donald Trump Jr. Oh, yeah. The divorce was finalized at the end of 2018. 
uh, in mid-2019, Guilfoyle and Trump jointly purchased a $4.4 million home and a half. That owns. I mean, look, she's doing what you got to do to get ahead in the world. Yeah. One way or another. Whoever whoever put the picture in uh, in this Vanessa Trump article um, very clearly is a Trump supporter. <laughs> it is the least flattering photo of an actual model that I've ever seen. Anyways, so yeah, let's get back to Scotland. Um so also as a result of the SNP being essentially dominant power in Scotland for like 15 years uh, there's a huge crossover between civil service and elected government right like the needs of the government and the needs of the Scottish National Party are one and the same you know it's like an I am the Senate moment um, because there's not much prospect for um or there hasn't been much prospect for anyone else really taking over in Scotland. Um, and so uh, it's essentially become a one-party state there. Um, which we'll get to later. And I think this is where one of the two main characters, uh, the other main character, I guess, of this whole thing comes in. And this is a guy named Alex Salmond. Um, this guy is a legend in the Scottish nationalist community, okay? Like, he was the leader of the Scottish National Party for basically, like, 30 years, um, with a four-year break, 2000-2004. One kind of fun fact about him is that he notably pushed for Scottish independence, but the maintenance of the monarchy, which is weird, because it's, like, a a party of Republicans, um, and is very, very, like, famously buddy-buddy with Her Majesty. In fact, he once said that he would support an English Republic and a Scottish maintenance of the... Uh, of oh, the my God. Um, which... That just seems like the kind of thing that you'd see, like, a, a weird, like, traditionalist on Instagram advocating for. You know, like a... We have fundamentally different class relations in Scotland than England. Like, he would be like, yes, I believe that the the English are, like, some, you know, completely unrepeatable string of slurs, and that... Scots are the true Anglos that can carry forward, you know? So well, true. I was gonna say, it sounds to me like he just wants a mommy doll. Well... You know, that joke, I'm sure, would land much better with me, rather than <laughs> if we didn't have Malcolm on. Because <laughs> I, I think Malcolm just, I think you just short, you just short-circuited Malcolm by referring <laughs> to Her Majesty <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II as a mommy doll. Every monarchist right now, every Eng- English monarchist right now just wants a mommy doll secretly. This is my diagnosis. Is it true about me? Are you an English monarchist? Then yes. I'm not English. Well, I'm saying pro-English monarchy. I support the maintenance of the Canadian monarchy. Okay, you know what? I'll, Malcolm, will give you points for finding a way out of that one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So anyways, um, so yeah, this guy, um... So this guy uh, was leader until 2014 when he managed to yeah, get a referendum um, on Scottish independence, and it flopped. It failed by 10 points, so obviously, like, he resigns, right? Um, but he returns to Westminster, uh, as a member of Parliament. Westminster is, uh, the sort of national Parliament of, of the UK, whereas Holyrood is the Scottish Parliament. Like, sort of like a provincial Parliament. Um, and this is where we get to Her Majesty's Advocate versus Solomon's in court case. 
So Salmon is, sorry, not Salmon, Salmon. He is accused in 2018 of sexual assault, sexual misconduct, and two counts of rape, um, which is heavy stuff. Um, and before actual legal proceedings, there was a party investigation, but there were all sorts of conflicts of interest, um, which eventually lead to the Scottish government having to pay £500,000 for his legal fees. For Canadian listeners, that's the equivalent of a million dollars. £500,000 of what? Ah, I get it. I, I get the joke. I get the joke. Look, I think it'd be funny if if the British renamed their currency to kilograms, just despite the despite the Yanks. Um. But yeah, I guess this is the point where where we sort of return to civil service and the Scottish National Party being entangled, um, because a lot of people sort of see this problem where. There, there should not be a conflict of interest when the Scottish government is investigating a member of a party, right? Uh, because the Scottish government and the Scottish National Party, who leads the government, should be completely different things. Uh, it was sort of like Justin Trudeau interfering in uh, the Justice Department and the SNC-Lavalin scandal, if you remember that. Or yeah, the scandal. one of one of the, the scandals one that... Of his, yeah, I was going to say, one of his... Plethora of scandals. Well, one of the ones that the conservatives were like, oh man, this is the one we get them on. <laughs> Did you know that I was actually in Parliament watching the day after they kicked out um, Jane Philpott and what's her name, the Justice Minister? Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone was there. You know, um, Andrew Shear was there, Jagmeet Singh were there. Everyone was just like, Trudeau was there. Oh, uh, you know what? Like... I miss Shear. And I don't mean that I miss his policies or anything. I just mean that I miss having a guy that looked like that in... Uh... In Parliament. He looked like a little piggy. Literally, he no, he looked. Funny. He looked like he al- he almost had like a Ralph Wiggum thing going on that he just looked so disarming, you know. Well, I was gonna say he also looked like someone was squeezing him a little bit too tight. Sometimes. <laughs> so Declan, like his eyes look kind of like a little bit bulgy. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say Declan. You remember that movie that we watched for the show, The Autopsy of Jane Doe? Yeah. You remember how like unsettling her corpse was, especially when they opened her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, sheer with, like, the little sheer, bit of like, bloat going I, on. I, I don't want to say too much about a man who has lost everything in the sheer has. Um, yeah. All because, he, all because he did one of the most base, tried. he did one of the most based things of all time and stole money from the Conservative Party of Canada. Well, I mean, that wasn't, like, that was a completely survivable scandal. Um, but they just wanted an excuse to push him out and he wanted an excuse to get out before they had to have a vote to kick him out yeah even more embarrassing than stole a little bit of money to put his kids in school mm-hmm, um, for sure which he could easily just be like oh this was an administrative error in terms of my salary here i just fired my secretary and then they'd move on mm-hmm. right so um yeah so they pay uh half a million pounds for his legal fees um, and everyone's like, why the hell was this a conflict of interest at all? Why are we, you know, doing this? And then, uh, just under a year ago in late March of 2020, he was arrested, uh, tried and very, very quickly acquitted of all counts, um, and walked out of court a free and understandably pretty pissed off man. Um... So then we get to the Scottish Parliament's Committee on the Scottish Government Handling of Harassment Complaints, which is a mouthful, especially if you have a Scottish accent, I imagine. 
So obviously having to pay half a million quid to your former party leader's legal fund for his own sexual assault trial as a result of your own botched inquiry is uh, kind of embarrassing. That would be my villain origin story if yeah. I was a politician. Like, that well, would fully jokerify me. a very good villain origin story. Like, if he became some sort of, like, I mean, I just, pro-English terrorist at this point. I just realized, like, sturgeon, salmon, like... What's with all the fish? Stop naming their politicians after fish. Like, a, a smarter man could probably take this joke further, but I mean, just like, I, I feel like if you're named after a food, you sh you should be like held in a sort of separate like caste system, you know? Well, that's whole squad... that's... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that's my uh, my rule is if somebody has two first names, so their last name is also a first name, then I automatically that's a red flag for me. Yep. So they have to kind of earn my trust. Manipulator. Are you saying yeah. are you saying that Joseph Brandt would have to earn your trust? Is Brandt a first name? Yes. Type of white. Yeah. Okay. It, it, no, yeah. this whole Scottish independence affair is kind of fishy to me. Oh, hey, <laughs> boom, uh, got him. Got him. I, I'm sure there's Gunshot. some very complicated jokes we made here about like Brexit and. Uh, british fish but yeah you know grimsby and and eels and shit like that oh the, the eel thing is the, the eel thing is the funniest like the, one of the funniest stories to come out of brexit of this guy who's like wait why do i have to pay so many tariffs on my eels yeah i think the funniest brexit story i heard was about truck drivers driving from ireland to northern ireland who had to throw out their ham sandwiches oh oh yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that was that was going from Brussels. Anyways, I don't know if it really matters, but yeah, that was amazing. This is, this is the true oppression of the uh, quote unquote colonialism that can, continues today in Northern Ireland is that you're not allowed to have ham on the border. Yeah, colonialism is actually when you can't have ham sandwiches. Yeah, Karl Marx wrote about this in his very famous book, 1984. Karl Marx. Yeah. Well, if you've ever actually, if you've ever read the read the movie Kindergarten Cop. There's actually a line in there uh, that says, um, uh, uh, up the RA, give us back our ham. Oh, right. I forgot. Did they? Th that must have been like some sort of uh, some dubbing error. Because the copy that I had didn't actually didn't say that. But yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so the government sets up this committee to figure out what the hell happened. The Scottish government, not the British government. Um, and so this sort of brings us to the present day uh, and what is happening right now. And I guarantee you, folks, you are not going to hear about this on Chopo Chopos, okay? You're not going to hear about this. Well, you're definitely not going to hear about this on Red Scare. You're not going to hear about this on Bad Faith. You're not going to hear about this on Know Your Enemy or uh, Pod Save America. Not even Come Town. Not even Come Town go this obscure with their politics. <laughs> Like, you're not going to hear about this anywhere except for Juno Beach because nobody is stupid enough to pay attention to the internal politics of a separatist organization in a country, an alleged country, uh, a thousand kilometers away. Um, but we do, and so you should be thankful for that, and especially if you're one of our UK listeners. Um, so Simon, Simon goes to give evidence, and in, in, yeah, in February... Uh, by the way, if you're listening to this later, if you're some employer trying to peruse 
and figure out if you should hire us. First of all, you should, but second of all, this is March the second, twenty twenty one, when we were recording this. Yeah. Um, also, if any if any future employers listening to this, um, this this is actually a psyop. I'm being put up to this by my CIA handler. Uh, please take it up with them. Oh, you're yeah, I'm a CIA. This is the effects of MKL. Yeah, I'm actually being MKUltra, mentoring and candidate, and all that good stuff. That means I'm actually not criminally responsible or responsible at all. Just uh, you know, call uh, call up my handler. We'll we'll sort something out. Um, it's an effective worker being a yeah exactly slave. look i yeah. i'm very committed to uh projects mm-hmm. yeah so simon claims that senior figures in the scottish government and the snp uh plotted to remove him from public life uh and send him to prison which important to keep in mind we actually have seen this in canadian politics if you remember do you remember patrick brown uh vaguely so he's currently the mayor of brampton but he was leader of the ontario conservative uh, until he got essentially me too'd, uh, resigned, uh, and then uh, all the allegations were dropped. Uh, but by then, Doug Ford was party leader and had his fingerprints all over. Yeah. Um, so the idea of framing somebody for being a sex pest is, uh, first of all, not a foreign idea in politics and is definitely not beyond someone as immoral, personally corrupt, and dishonest as Nicola Sturgeon is. Um, that's a subject for another episode, I guess. Um, but yeah, I want to talk about some of the funny stuff that's happened at this committee when people are testifying. So, well, actually, let's just talk about what Nicola Sturgeon has done when she's testified. Uh, she's just lied. Like, she's literally just lied. She's just sat down there at the committee and lied. So she started out by saying she, at first she found out about the allegations in April 2018 when Salmon, Salmon himself told her. But then later, she, oops, said she found out in March when his assistant told her, which is really, really, really illegal. Um, according to the ministerial code, any minister who deliberately misleads parliament should resign. Of course, she's the first minister of Scotland. Um, so it's basically proven at this point that, um, that she lied to the parliamentary committee. Um, well, it's proven that her story doesn't match up. So if they can prove that she did that on purpose, uh, then she'll be obligated to resign. Um, as of today, a bunch of new explosive stuff has come out. Uh, March 2nd again. New documents and evidence have come out that this meeting where she found out about them, uh, about the, the, the allegations, was a government meeting, not a party meeting, but a government meeting, which is legally obligated to be fully like recorded with, you know, speaking notes, minutes, everything, but it wasn't. It was kept completely secret. In fact, nobody knew about it until Nicola Sturgeon just happened to mention it at this committee, right? So again, not only is that in itself against the rules because government meetings have to be recorded, it means Sturgeon lied again when she said it wasn't recorded because it was only a party meeting. This publication also backed up Simon's allegation that the identity of one of his accusers had been passed to his former chief of staff, contradicting Sturgeon's statement that, to the to the very best of my knowledge, I do not think that that happened. Uh, they also confirmed that the government had pursued the legal case against Simon after being advised by lawyers that it was likely to fail. Basically, the lawyers told him there is no ground, there is no water to this case because he didn't do it. And then the government was like, "Yeah, we're gonna try and put him in jail, anyways." I mean, this um, is this is cute. This is Q 
QAnon politics. This is like this is so and so has been imprisoned and replaced by a clone. Um, they will continue to do the exact same thing, but they have been put in prison. Um, this is why you got the Richard the Third monologue at the beginning. Like this is Wars of the Roses crap. This we don't we don't get political skullduggery in the same way that the Brits do, which is really unfortunate. I mean, yeah, here we get sure the Patrick Brown Doug Ford thing, but that was you know not there nearly as pretending an entire party structure and an entire wing of the political spectrum is secretly uh hates jews just to oust a single guy so you can get a right winger in as party leader yeah that's that was i will never forgive the british for that yeah or um or this uh yeah framing framing somebody uh framing your former boss and the guy who mentored you and brought you up from just some street activist to uh the leader of the most powerful independence movement in the world um uh uh for rape just so you can sort of get him out of the way so you can implement your own policies potentially just because you disagree with him you're, you're like you disagree with him about some economic policy or the cause of republicanism in an independent scotland um mm-hmm. it's just it's just weird it's just really weird and like you can't this isn't like what we're going to talk about idiot libs defending cuomo because this is not like people are still accusing the guy. Like this guy went to court and he was acquitted on every single account. Count, and some some of them were dropped too. Um, right, like the case didn't hold water, and they went to court. So yeah. Um, so now there has been a no confidence vote submitted against Sturgeon, which basically means there will be a vote. Um, where Parliament, Scottish Parliament, will decide whether she is still fit to be First Minister of Scotland. So the the Scottish National Party has a majority of seats, which means that if they were all behind her, um, then they could... Uh, it was sort of like impeaching Trump, right? If they were all behind her, then then they could uh, uh, get rid of her. Sorry, they could keep her in, uh, unless she's compelled to resign by the committee. Um, but there's very serious possibility of... Uh, just like uh, an actual rebellion within the party to to get rid of her because a lot of people might just see her right. as. But again, that's a gamble because if you vote against her and she survives, then you know that's bad. Um, but if you vote against her, she survives and then she's moved, then that's good, right? Um, that's even better. So it, it, there's a lot of politicking that's going to be done in the next few days. You could you could have a, a great you know <laughs> the... of an episode. yeah exactly you could have a great Yanucci. Um, written drama about this. I think this would make a great movie. <laughs> I think it would make a great Aaron Sorkin movie. Oh, shut the fuck up. Oh my god, Tasha. <laughs> uh, I'm so bring mad Sasha that Baron Cohen in there. Yeah, no, get, a, yeah, get, get Sasha Baron Cohen to just like talk about how much he loves uh, how much he loves the UK. And, and so how... in the end, in the end, she's gonna, she's gonna get voted out and she'll have a speech about how all she ever fought for was an independent Scotland, and what they really need to do is stand up, hands together, uh, you know, Scottish uh, Tory party, Scottish Labour party, Scottish National party, because no matter whether or not they agree uh, about Scottish independence, no matter whether or not what she did was, like, incredibly illegal and one of the most immoral things you can do to a person, all that matters is that they come together as a nation, a Scottish nation, and hold hands across the political aisle. 
what the fuck? And then, and then there'll be this great moment when that's all over, where where she'll leave and she'll be walking out uh, the, the last time as she's removed, and she'll bump into to to Salmon in the halls as he makes his triumphant return. Uh, and then they they share like a knowing nod or something. They share like a knowing nod. He he gives her like a reassuring nod or something. Uh, uh, yeah. It's like yeah, you did the right thing. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, the the trial of the Chicago Seven movie is probably one of the most abhorrent pieces of media I've ever I've ever seen in my life. It is. Well, listen, it 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 really. I'm forgetting the main character's name, but it, it is really it is a his advice to heart, and that social media is the best form of propaganda you can have. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so, so the thing the the weird thing is when he's not letting his politics show in his writing he's like an okay writer like the social network is a pretty good movie and like yeah the writing the writing on the west wing like wasn't great as it kind of dragged on like you could kind of see that he kept doing the same thing but i think that might also have just been the politics getting in the way i think he just thinks that snappy is interesting like just because you've got a funny retort and had gotcha well that's why mean that's why the courtroom mean. scenes in something like a few good men are are you know actually interesting because that is one place where being snappy and you know having witty comebacks and stuff actually can matter but again there was no character development in that entire film yeah yeah and um, so yeah i mean this this whole issue it's sort of fractured um the scottish independence movement and well it will, it will. yeah <laughs> for all the hand-wringing that we get about splitting votes um, on sort of trivial things over here on this side of the pond. This is something that legitimately has been broken up as a result of a sort of fissure in a political party. Um, yeah, it's, it's worrying. So yeah, well, if you're a Scottish, yeah, like not only bring her down, but the SNP is dominated by personality politics. And so in a battle between Salmon and Sturgeon, if he wins, all of her people go, which means her husband and her entire yeah. organizational structure will go with her. Um, so we, yeah, get, we get purges again, right? So all the, the weird red reactionaries on Twitter can get fired up about political purges again? Exactly, yeah. So like, regardless of Salmon's politics, which I think most people across the UK disagree with, right? Like you get 50% in Scotland and then uh, a lot of disagreement with everywhere else outside of a few people in Wales and Ulster. Um, like, people's, the country seems to be uniting behind him, like, even Boris Johnson is getting behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that means against Nicholas Sturgeon. And so this is ahead of, soon, some elections for Scottish Parliament, where the Tories and Labour hope to pick up from SNP, and SNP hopes to solidify its power. And I think the clear thing here is, regardless of what happens to Nicholas Sturgeon, this raises serious questions about how Scotland would be governed by the SNP immediately after a hypothetical independence referendum. Right? We were already seeing support for independence stall and return to 50-50 on polls, which actually favors the no vote because they only tend to survey cities. Um, it's possible that this plummets even more if support for independence is connected to the only party which really fights for it, which is the SNP. So that's just kind of some interesting wonk stuff about... Um, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's an interesting sort of look at how parliamentary systems sort of work when you have yeah like a sort of cult of personality in a given party but Mm -hmm. um i think now we're going to transition to sort of the other half because i guess there there isn't much to talk about with the last story but we're gonna kind of dive into something that's a little closer to home uh for a lot of our canadian listeners and that is john tory 
and oh, Mr. Tory. the Joe Biden of Torontonian politics. Um, this is why we got uh, Tash in, by the way. Yeah, well, so actually, no, we got Tash in because of her charm and humor. <laughs> well, and also because we figured three words. We, we figured that it would be good to sort of have a first-hand account of how the the action That's went. Anti-Tory action, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh, oh shit! Is that merch? Should we make some some anti-Tory action like Antifa merch? If you can sell it. Anti-toe. Yeah. Perfect. All right. We'll we'll fire I up the graphic that design machine. That, isn't that just the anti-Tarantino? Group anti-toe. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, we're both anti-John Tory, and personally, I'm anti-the Tories in Canada in general. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. It's like, we're, it's just very nice to be anti-Tory because, yeah. and it's very convenient that John Tory is a conservative. It would be, it would well, suck. I it. have the critical support for Boris Johnson meme. <laughs> so I guess I gotta say anti-Tory everywhere except the UK. You've been running that bit into the fucking ground. And it's so funny. Because everyone's like, everyone's like, you can't support Boris Johnson. He's a Tory. And like, you literally have the flag in your bio because you support Muammar Gaddafi. Or you support Saddam Hussein. Yeah, so anti-imperialism. But anyway, so if anyone isn't, you know, from the Toronto area, isn't up to up to date on what's going on, um, if anyone out there isn't from Toronto, which yeah. they don't believe is true. Yeah, I think. Look, I mean, yeah. if you're not from the center of the universe, I think in the Fail Sun Republic, um, we need like a Toronto to act as sort of the imperial core. Yeah. And then we will, uh, you know, expand from there. The Fail Sun Republic in Toronto. Bet. I mean, and John Tory's already running it, and so that was what I wanted to talk about first was his sort the of history. Be John Tory and then oh, the well, he again. he is like the single um, greatest fail son. Like he he is a perfect example of failing upwards because he nepotisms his way into a, a job as a journalist for uh, Rogers Communications, where you know Ted Rogers is a very close associate of John Tory's father who also runs For American or non-Canadian listeners Rogers is like the biggest cell provider slash they are a huge company like they're massive they are they're like I think they're on a larger scale than any like US mobile phone provider because like a lot of them don't offer the TV services as well like they're like as big as like yeah. like Comcast it's like we have three Comcasts for uh, for media, and they all have like a, a triopoly that just like conspire to fuck us over. In the world. Well, there was that one. There, I remember there was like a period of two weeks in like 2016. I want to say where you could, there was some like regulation that was changing that meant you could lock in a two-year plan where it would be like you'd get 10 gigs for like like 20 dollars. A month in terms of data like you could lock in a data plan because there's some weird regulations change and yeah now it's just back to the regular like hey guys we're coming out with an unlimited plan and then at the same time as all the other providers are yeah i also like how on me i don't use data so i've got a data blocker on my phone but that costs money so it's like hey it's gonna cost you money to use our service if you want to get it, if you don't want to get it, you got to be careful because you might accidentally use it. That'll cost you a ridiculous amount of money. And if you want to make sure you don't use it, that's going to cost you money as well. Total scam. Yeah, I mean, telecom should be like, even if you're going to go the sort of like the route that Sask that Saskatchewan did with SaskTel and how it's just a publicly funded competitor that the government can kind of set prices through and you know, 
make everyone else on the market compete for that if you're you know fetishizing free markets um but so after he he has his job as a reporter or like journalist for rogers um he sort of managed to nepotism his way through his law career because you know his his father is um one of the tories of tory tory deloria in bennington which is a huge i believe they specialize in corporate law they're a huge corporate law firm um so he makes it through um he holds some you know in the 70s that was kind of his beat and then he in the 80s he you know serves as a envoys on acid rain you know it's sort of lower level political offices um but the sort of first time he was given a sort of platform or really any sort of power was when he was placed in charge of uh, kim campbell who was technically Canada's first female prime minister. Not technically, she was. I mean, yeah, she was. And she, her re-election campaign was tanked because John Tory, in part because John Tory greenlit these ads, these attack ads on Jean Chrétien that were making fun of his face paralysis. Get palsy. Yeah, so they were, you know, it was like a close-up of his face and then it was like, is this the face of uh prime of a prime minister and it's like that's classic like conservative like low blows but that's like kind of a new level is attacking someone for his palsy yeah in fairness uh kim campbell was also screwed by the fact that brian mulroney her predecessor had to resign over a big corruption scandal yeah like, a month before the uh election but fun yeah. fact kim campbell is the first baby boomer to hold to be the prime minister was she actually yeah owns she was born in 1947. Boss um, and baby boomer. Yeah, wow. she's great. So cool. I didn't she's know just, that existed. She's just on a roll. But yeah, um, so after uh, his you know stint as a, a chairman of a, a federal election campaign, he uh, runs. Holy shit! He, wait, wait, wait! He, Listen to this quote from John Kachan. This guy owned. Well, no, he, policy-wise, he was just okay. But so he says, "But last night, the Conservative Party reached a new low. They tried to make fun of the way I look." God gave me a physical defect, and I accepted that since I'm a kid. It's true that I speak on one side of my mouth, but I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides of my mouth. <laughs> oh, shit. You could tell he had his, his speechwriters working overtime for that one. No, he just, he's just, he just rose people. Like, he's the guy who choked that guy out. It's and I think in the accent that yeah. would be like kill. We we need we need more guys. Night the conservative. Yeah, I can't I can't do the Jean Chrétien accent because he sounds like shit in English and French. We need more guys like that. Yeah. Like we we need less Jugmeats and Justin Trudeau's that are just like yeah I I would like to call upon the prime minister to to condemn this motion. We need more guys that just like we need politics to be like that again. Yeah, or like the other truth. Yeah, exactly. Described him as allowing Kachan to make the speech he had been waiting his entire career to deliver. <laughs> he moved some of the audience to hears It's cut up into sound bites and news coverage proved hugely effective. I mean, yeah, like I, I'm sure it's absolutely right. He's been waiting. He's like, come on, I just know someone's gonna go for it. <laughs> yep. But I think, um, you know, Tory's worst crime was obviously after sinking Kim Campbell's campaign. Uh, that's a tongue twister, but. He was commissioner of the CFL during, like, its historic low in terms of, like, yeah. TV ratings and uh, revenue. Like, like the Canadian Football League? The Canadian Football League. Yeah. Oh, my God. Which is his worst crime. But this was, th this was um, 
he returned to Rogers after yeah <laughs> Kim Campbell absolutely ate shed in the federal um so at this point he was working with he was the president and CEO of Rogers Media which is sort of their publishing and broadcasting division so part of what they did and at the time was the Toronto Sun and all the sort of the Sun newspaper chain which is like the most dog shit it is like the daily mail but in toronto or like the new york post it is like that equivalent newspaper in toronto once they actually they published a photo of me and my friend winning a scrabble tournament in grade six. Oh, so. okay so then they're uncancelled yeah is that okay <laughs> i'm just reading about kim campbell here i feel really bad for her yeah that was just a sort of wrong On place wrong night, time october 25th the progressive conservatives were swept from power in a liberal landslide Campbell herself was defeated in Vancouver Center by rookie liberal Hetty Fry. She conceded defeat with the remark, gee, I'm glad I didn't sell my car. Fuck. All progressive conservatives running for re-election lost their seats with the alone exception, lone exception of Jean Charest, who is the only surviving member of Campbell's cabinet. That's just... That's depressing. Like, that's... That especially really... when the, the PC, who were like the party of not, like, reactionism, but, like, slow reform like pre-Thatcher British yeah. Tories as well just lose to reform who are like the party of Stephen Harper that's just sad you really you hate to see her go out like that yeah and then so John Tory takes his first crack at a you know an actual elected office in uh, 2003 um, where he completely well you know I don't think it's fair to say that he ate shit to David Miller because he he didn't to be fair to him he was within about like 36,000 votes yeah, which is pretty close in terms of the total valid votes being seven hundred thousand. Like it, it wasn't, he didn't get blown out, but like he obviously lost to David Miller because he was just a sort of hugely popular. Like, yeah, I'm a housing guy, and yeah, I'm a, I'm socially progressive. But he David Miller was cool. Yeah, he he was pretty cool. He just was a sort of city planning yimby kind of guy, which I like. It's like yeah. the, what's her name? It's the one who ran against Tory this last time. Uh Keys Matt. Yeah, Keys yeah. Matt. I liked her. I think I might have actually pulled vote for her campaign in uh in what was it 2014 or no 28 I might have pulled vote I think I pulled vote for that campaign but um what do you mean pulled vote where you you go around and you see the people that said that they would support her and be like hey have you voted yet like oh, canvassing cool. um so he wins the PC leadership uh, in 2004 and uh in the, That's the provincial conservative yeah conservative so body. in the provincial election in 2007 he doubled down on exclusively only providing federal fun or provincial funding to catholic schools and not any other sort of religious schools which again kind of tanked him the election with two weeks to go um yeah. he finally that wasn't his choice by the way that yeah was sort of like corbin being forced into an anti-brexit position by the party he again in, he, in defense of the guy he then wins finally in 2014 the, the mayoral election over doug ford and then with olivia chow in third um yeah doug ford <laughs> this was in the wake but the, i mean tory no, won it was rob and doug ford because rob ford was running and then he got cancer and yeah he dropped out and doug ford ran oh, this place shit, i forgot about that damn yeah, yeah. so doug um, lost by 64,000 and that sort of put Doug Ford on his Joker arc um, yeah. and so Tory wins because yeah Tory wins oh we could do a whole podcast about the Ford family 
Well, we're gonna do it. But um, I like my dad has a theory that Tory only won because he is the Joe Biden character, whereas like Rob Ford was a, a Trump character. And people really yeah. just wanted to stop seeing the mayor on the news for bad reasons all the time. And Olivia Chow lost because she was a woman and Asian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's fair to say. <laughs> because if it was like anyone else who was that associated with Jack Layton. Yeah. Of all people, it would have been a... F- that been. is... Anyone that associated to Jack Layton in Toronto is fucking landslide. It would be like... It's like how Yang is like a shoe in for New York, because just because of like how popular he is, sort of. Yeah, like we don't like Jack Layton, but we recognize his political. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people do like him, and so he, Tory finally wins, and uh, you know he gets to work constructing the uh, the wood chippers that he would then begin throwing homeless people in in the in the next uh, economic crisis, which comes as we all know about six years down the line. This little thing happens. Uh, we get this little virus that uh, causes oh, the economy that, to grind to a halt. Swine flu, right? Yeah, I think it's yeah the H one N one virus. Uh, you know, comes through in twenty twenty, and uh, I mean, I guess we're okay now though, right? Like January, it's January first, twenty twenty one passed. Like the bad year is over. Oh so. yeah, like if you look in in Texas, for example, like they're all opening everything, up, so no, we're good. <laughs> that, oh my god! No, it's, it's I think it's Texas and Mississippi are both literally lifting all their res- their statewide restrictions. Literally everything. Which is one. horrifying. Like that one is. One of my friends, her account got suspended on Twitter because she tweeted at the governor of Texas that she hopes he gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Twitter's suspending accounts for undermining faith in NATO. Oh, that's so cool. Let's fucking go. Oh my god. Oh, have you? Okay, I'm not gonna talk about the the Wandavision thing because it's infuriating me. Somebody made a made a picture of the Wandavision where they're saying, "What is Marvel but military propaganda?" People were so mad in those like, replies. They were so mad. This movie is says war is bad, therefore it's not military. Propaganda. And then there's like, which one? No, Marvel has to clear all their movies. With the Pentagon, literally. I think the most insane thing to bring up is like if you just talk about the plot of Black Panther in broad strokes. Like, okay, so there is a guy who loses in the traditional way. He loses the leadership of this country in the traditional way that everyone agrees upon. And so, what does that ousted leader do? He goes to the CIA and gets them to overthrow the elected leader. Okay, so, that they, so that they can, so that they can, so that they can harvest the natural resources of Wakanda. <laughs> they can harvest the vibranium. He, he did not. He did not submit or die, so the fight wasn't actually over, which is why they did it at the end. Mm-hmm. But it is true that in everyone else's eyes, uh, uh, the guy was the legit, legit. Oh my god! I'm sorry. I do stutter. Uh, the guy was the legitimate leader. Um, and he used CIA help to yeah, it, it overthrow him. And a military coup, for that matter. Like a palace coup. And civil war. So, the where we're kind of going with this whole John Tory thing in the back half of this episode is... Um, he declared a national housing day um, during the COVID-19 pandemic in on November 22nd, Ironic. 2020. No. So National Housing Day had been a thing for a while in Canada, I believe, but he sort of announced it as a Toronto thing more so when he put out, like, a signed letter 
And meanwhile, all this time, because this is okay, I'm gonna take over partially here because I'm yeah, hell yeah, go off queen. Um, there's uh, an account on Instagram called uh, esn underscore to, or no esn dot to underscore for you or something. I'll double check what it's called. But anyway, it's the account of the Encampment Support Network in Toronto, which is basically um, like a mutual aid sort of thing that it's run by volunteers and outreach workers to support all the tent encampments that popped up in Toronto over uh, the economic crisis that is the pandemic, which there were already tent encampments um, before, but because obviously everybody fucking lost their job and got evicted, um, because John Tory refused to put any eviction moratoriums or anything like that until they like hold him tooth and nail to say, okay, fine. While we're in a state of emergency, I, I won't get the police to enforce evictions. It's like, great. Well, he you. also, I mean, in, in a classic show of like liberal, because I think it's fair to say that John Tory is just like a liberal guy, right? He's a red Tory. Yeah, he's, he's a red Tory. So it's, in a very liberal way, he he announced that he tabled he would table a motion to detask the Toronto Police Service, and so this was <laughs> supposedly to make to make sure that they are not being sent in um, for like health check like mental health checks and everything all the time, which is like the far less than the bare minimum of you know any sort of police even reform that the city desperately needs. But yeah, like not even using like a, and then yeah, saying we will prioritize funding towards a robust system of social supports and services and make an itemized line by line breakdown of the, make an itemized line by line breakdown of the police budget public. Well, that's a good idea. A reduction in the police budget would likely ensue according to the motion. So there's nothing there defunding the police. It's just saying we'll make everything public and then we'll you know, we'll just commit that its first funding priority for future budgets be centered on a robust system of social supports and services. So nothing fundamentally bad, but this guy is the mayor of the city. <laughs> like, the, like, there's already been, like, one of the main stories that was in a lot of mainstream news places before the pandemic even happened was that there was a tent encampment under a highway called Gardner Expressway that they were all evicted so that people could build yoga bubbles. Wait, that's a highway? I thought that was like a, a, a perpetual rock slide. <laughs> it's like a, a downtown expressway or whatever. I don't know what you no, call I know. it. I, I don't know what they're called. But anyway, so Toronto has basically been, especially John Tory, has basically been notoriously evil, cruel, and malicious towards the homeless in Toronto. Um... And so, basically what happened this past winter is that um, this carpenter in Toronto, he's a citizen, his name is Khalil Seavright. Um, personally, I think John Tory should be giving him a medal, keys to the city, all of this shit. Because basically, he raised over $230,000 on GoFundMe to build these insulated wooden structures. They're like 10 by 6 feet and 6 feet tall-ish, I'm going to say. Um, they're insulated wooden structures that are meant to be a temporary housing, uh, a temporary place that residents can house so that they don't literally freeze to I death. I mean, if you and walk by any of the, any of the large, like, 
any of the large parks in the city, if you're just walking around downtown, you will see, at, you know, 15, 20 of these shelters, you know, spaced out with people's belongings all around them. I mean, it's not like they're going unused, right? Yeah, like in the midst... Like temporary is important from a legal standpoint, I think. And but they are temporary. Yeah, they're, the whole goal of them is to be a temporary housing method to prevent people from dying. So the city it's stands like a hard always, shelter. Yeah. The city was never for this. They never said, oh, great, thanks for doing this thing that we obviously are, literally our job is to protect the citizens of our city. And yet this citizen is stepping in and doing it. So we're going to say, stop doing that because they're fire hazard. It's always been their fire hazard. So on this National Housing Day, the city gave a warning to this carpenter, Khalil Sievright, that... Um, he, he was like, they were like, stop building these shelters because they're a fire hazard. And they were like, okay, are you going to house these people and give them affordable housing? And they're like, no, the shelters are open. And if you call any shelter number in Toronto, any of them, they will all say they're full. They're filled up. The COVID cases are crazy. It's insane. And so the whole thing about these shelters is that all the encampment residents love them. They give you a kind of because when you're homeless, um, this is not speaking from experience, obviously, but I, from the interviews I've read, when you're homeless, one of the things that you're lacking a lot is dignity. Because you, when you're forced to beg people for money, they don't look at you, they try to avoid you, they don't even like make eye contact. So this is not just somewhere you can sleep that won't let you freeze to death. It has a window, it has walls, it has a door with a lock. You can lock your door. That's pretty cool. Um, and so... On the fire hazard thing, it was equipped with a car. They are equipped with carbon monoxide and smoke detectors, and a fire extinguisher. So one of the interviews I read um, with one of the residents of one of or one person who did live in these shelters, she she made a really good point, which was that if the city was really worried about these being fire hazards, they would have the fire department hand out fire extinguishers and fire blankets, and they would actually try to even provide <laughs> safe housing, like expropriate some of the hundreds of thousands of, or tens of thousands of empty condo built, condo rooms and apartments in Toronto and let these people live there. And it's also an, it's important to remember, like I very clearly remember a time when they did try that uh, and the people in the neighborhood just would not quit harassing the poor homeless people and complaining and complaining and stuff around Young Eglinton. Yeah, like, and that's the, that's the thing is that right, right now, the main, aside from shelters, people are stacked beside each other. There's COVID running rampant. People are sometimes given an option to live in a hotel room in one of the suburbs of Toronto. So what happens is that they'll get a call that says, okay, we have a room open. Can you be here in two hours? You can't, you can only bring one bag of stuff, no pets no other people um and you can't see anybody else and so you have to decide you have to pack all your things and get on the subway and go up to all the way to scarborough or something which is like whatever the edge of town and go to this hotel room so one of the other issues is that there's a huge opioid crisis in toronto which is what the uh, outreach workers are also talking about so so far in 2021 there are 38 suspected opioid overdose deaths that's a lot. Yeah, that's a that's, lot of opioid deaths. I mean, 
we already before covid were dealing with the opioid crisis and you know it's something that is personal for me and the fact that not only with these shelters yeah obviously they're helping with homelessness but it it speaks to a greater idea of a sort of mutual aid system that toronto has sort of it is a mutual aid network that is sputtering to get off the ground i mean there's you know there's community fridges and yeah there's these shelters and all these other sort of small programs that when you combine them together form some sort of a social safety net that obviously the government is not going to provide so if you can even even like with what i was talking about with like i don't know if they've done this anywhere else but where they got the the apartment building in the middle of the city for like 200 homeless people or like not the messed up stuff Tash was talking about even when they did the right thing in the one situation there the entire neighborhood just united against the idea of providing these people with the basic human decency right because and it wasn't even like it wasn't even like uh like it was it was zone for a school that had nobody in it because of covid and a bunch of other apartment buildings right so it wasn't like it was a bunch of like houses and they they'd set up a tent city in the middle of their park or whatever no but Which also i mean you don't have a right to complain about that either to be honest nimbyism but, well, nimbyism goes along class lines rather than like any other sort of political yeah, so line this middle class neighborhood uniting to say no even the city can't do so it's just it's just messed up i think we're kind of running out of time but okay i'm just gonna say and another yeah, example thought. of that is the city um, wanted, wants to put up 64 units of affordable housing in East York in what is now a parking lot. And there was a rally in the parking lot um, over the weekend where people were saying, what? this parking lot is the center of our community. Literally. Right, because... There were people going on the news saying, this is the heart of our community. That is a quote. Because they lot. just... They, oh my god. They it's, just hate poor people. they hate poor people and they are like there's this idea of like a dirty drug addicted disheveled violent like schizophrenic homeless person that you know if you never interact with someone who's homeless yeah that's what you're going to believe they're all like and you know from their point of view they don't want that in their community but i think also even those people deserve compassion yeah no no, i mean that's not what i'm saying i'm saying yeah yeah, that's the that's the image that they have in their head And it's the thing that, not to get, like, big picture, but it's the thing that capitalism says, oh, yeah, you're poor because it's your fault. You got addicted to drugs. You're ugly. You're disabled. You can't provide for yourself, so you're failing. And yeah. you deserve to fail. Yeah, and, and why and why should these hardworking people who, you know, spend their day, um, spend nine to five on uh, Zoom calls in their tech job and then... Uh, five to nine tweeting about how much anxiety it gives them why should they have to pay for you exactly yeah anyway so the end of the story is terrible it's that the city is now um because there was a fire in one of the shelters that's um a lot of the residents are saying that they think it might be vandalism um either way i also read just sorry just to quickly interrupt that there have been a lot of sort of like copycat shelter builders it's not even necessarily confirmed to be one of this guy's shelters yeah, that's true. And anyway, so there's fire, and the city filed an injunction, um, essentially suing Khalil, saying you have to stop, or we're gonna press charges against you. Um, and they are now the shelters are now being removed from the parks by 
um, workers, by CUPE workers in Toronto. And so when you talk to them, they'll say that the city told them they're abandoned. They need to be taken away and stored. When it's very clear that people's belongings are in them. And so when you call the city and ask, where are these belongings going? You call them and they say they're being cataloged and stored. But today, today, March 3rd, or March, yeah, March 3rd, 2021, March 2nd, sorry, I'm reading the date backwards. Um, there was a video posted on the Encampment Support Network Instagram that's a drone footage of literally all the things that were inside these shelters and some of the tiny shelters themselves in a literal dump, a garbage dump. So, Imagine stealing from somebody who doesn't even have a home. In summary, Toronto but guys, is controlled guys, by we all can, the condo boards of the world. We can yeah. reform yeah, these cops really that, are, that are destroying people's personal belongings when they have barely anything. Like, the, being the condo capital of the world is not proud of. No, it is something to be like, deeply ashamed of. Where's the class solidarity? It's, there's nothing. We are literally a city controlled by, and I love this city. I adore this city, and I will say that it is literally controlled by landlords. Like, there yeah. is no place oh, yeah. in the world as under the thumb of landlords as Toronto. You know, other cities have other corporate interests. You know, New York's got Amazon and you know beijing's got the communist party of china which is in itself a big corporation we have yeah various uh homeowners associations and landlords they're demons folks they're demons <laughs> yeah so i think we're gonna nix cuomo sadly time. yeah we are out of time sadly, uh, we can't make fun of italians this episode but it's okay yeah, because we, we could have brought we could have brought sawyer on and, and we could have done some... but that, that episode would have been out of control but I, I think yeah that's gonna be it so tasha do you have anything to plug um oh uh the encampment support instagram is esn.to.4.real so the four is a number okay or, no it's real. Okay. Um, and they're really great. Support mutual aid in your city. And this is my cat. She's outside. She's asking me to let in. Hi, Sam. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that'll do it for us. All right. Um, I think you're probably all going to get this episode on a Wednesday. So I yeah. hope you have a good rest of your day Wednesday. I'm uh, sorry and... for taking so long. <laughs> and no, it's okay. We've, we brought you on the pod for a reason. Um... So yeah, no, it's it's it, thank you very much to our, our our fantastic guest who we will definitely have on again in the future. Uh, and yeah, I think I've been Malcolm. I've been Declan. I've been Tasha. Hey, she got it. She's a natural. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We've been your Juno. We'll see you next week.